The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... So with each, I guess you'd say, advancing technology, I was, I was able to be more serious, and I took it more serious. There's a difference between being able to control yourself and being willing to control yourself. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon Podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Insulone Podcast with myself, Owen, as you know. I hope you're well. I hope you had a fantastic holiday. I hope you ate amazing food, drank amazing wine, and you were all set for 2023. And what better way to get stuck into a new year with another unbelievable guest. And today we have Jaffer Yirka, who is from the USA. And myself and Graham wanted to get Jaffer on after a recent email he had sent into the podcast basically outlining how he always sees the glass half full rather than half empty. And I think that's a perspective that we could all benefit from having, um, (laughs) no matter what we do, even if we do or don't have diabetes. Jaffer was diagnosed at the age of 15, just before turning 16 in 1970. Jaffer is now 68 years old. He is a retired previous IT programmer, And admittedly, Jaffer pays a lot more attention to his diabetes now than he ever did, resulting in 90 plus percent time and range weeks consistently. And this was a a story and, and a conversation that I wanted to have and get insight into around the changes and advancements in tech when it came to Jaffer's diabetes management and the difference between how things are now compared to how they were years ago. So this episode was massively inspiring and reassuring even for myself, but I know also for you and anybody else out there living with type one. So enjoy this episode and I'll speak to you soon. So what's the plan for the weekend? Are you taking any time off for? Um, Actually, uh, well, the winter vacation is a great time for Islamic conferences because all the kids are out of school, right? Hotel yeah. rates are cheap. So I'm driving up to Boston tomorrow, and we're going to spend the weekend with my three my three, uh, three of my five grandkids. We're taking them. We're going up to Boston, which is about a 10-hour drive. And then uh, 
And then we're going to be two different, uh, a Malaysian group and an Indonesian group get together every year. So right, I'll be uh, at a double tree in Boston. And will you drive that 10 hours in one go or will you take a break? Oh, no, no, we'll drive. I'm gonna, we're going to leave like at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning and hopefully, and luckily all that terrible weather we're having here is going to be off to the west. It looks like we're going to be relatively unscathed on the east coast. So. Yeah, what's the weather like for you right now? Oh, well, right now it's, uh, well, Celsius, it's one degree. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, pretty much right, freezing. Right, tomorrow it's going to be, yeah, tomorrow or Saturday morning at this time, it's going to be like, min- well, Celsius, it's going to be like minus five, six, seven, something like that. And yeah, how do you deal with the cold? I do all right with it. Um, there was a time when my thyroid was way out of whack. You know, that's my other autoimmune condition. And I, uh, I could burn 5,000 calories a day, right? And I was, you know, and I lived in northern Michigan. It got down to 40 below zeros where centigrade and, and uh, Fahrenheit meet. And it mm. got down to even colder than that. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So I was used to that. But as I've gotten older, you know, I don't tolerate cold as much. But So it's not too bad. Good. But, so you just need yeah. some extra layers when you're out there. That's all you need to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, I mean, yesterday, I mean, like I told you, I, uh, at noontime I walked. I would live one mile, 1.6 kilometers from the masjid. So I walked there, even, you know, as long as it's not really windy. Mm. That, you know, and I'll walk there, you know, when it's 30 degrees, zero. <laughs> if it's not raining, it's not overly windy, I'm happy enough. I can deal with the cold. But once it starts, yeah. once it starts being wet cold... I can't yeah. deal with it anymore. I can't deal with no, it. No, 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 no. So look, Jafir, obviously you were diagnosed now 53 years ago, which is a long time in mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, diabetic lives in terms of how far gone how far gone my diagnosis was. And I always think back to the time that I was diagnosed and even in the space of 10, 11 years, there's just been complete shift in the tech that I use, you know, my overall understanding of my own condition, diabetes as a whole. And then I think to how it must have been 53 years ago for you. So can you talk to me about what it was like for you being diagnosed in 1970? Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of, I mean, I went a long time, I think, being diabetic without knowing about it. At this particular point, nobody in my family knew anything about it. So I remember probably around Christmas time or so, 19, I guess I would have been 69, is when I think it really started. You know, I started getting thirsty all the time. I was peeing a lot. Um, uh, You know, things were going. But then I was on the track team. But... So my parents didn't worry too much about it because, well, okay, he's running all the time. That makes him thirsty and hungry, and that's why he's peeing all the time. And then, but I was sitting in classroom, and my routine was, you know, at the, as the classroom ended, I was sitting there crossing my legs because I had to pee so bad after one hour. I'd run to the bathroom. I'd run to the water fountain. I'd run to the locker to switch books, and I'd run to the next class and then rinse and repeat, right? Just kept going like that. And then I was getting up multiple times a night to go pee. But I actually weighed myself one time. Just I was kind of curious, I guess. I went to bed weighing 100. And, I was really skinny as a rail. I went to bed weighing 120. 
But six hours later, after multiple trips to the bathroom, I was 105, 15 pounds lighter in wow. six hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I happened to mention that to my parents, and they said, well, you're running track, but no, <laughs> that doesn't explain that. <laughs> no. So, so I, this is... This was right, and that was it. Because school was out, it was summer, and you know, I was just really tired and lethargic, and again, always thirsty, always eating. So they uh, took me to the. My dad was in the Air Force, so they took me to the uh, Air Force clinic there, the Air Base clinic, and they again took the blood. The next day, I came home from whatever it was I was doing, and you know, my mom was kind of upset about because. I guess they got the results back and they, <laughs> I don't know why they were afraid to tell me, but, you know, so I said, Hey, Ma, what's going on? And they said, well, we have to go to the hospital. So that's how it started. Um, they put me in the hospital for three days. I don't know if you did the same thing. You had to learn how to inject into an orange and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So I did the injecting into the orange. And then before they let me go home, my mom had to know how to do it too just in case I couldn't. I was, like I said, I was just shy of 16, so I was pretty much given that I'd be doing it, but, you know, just in case. So I went through the training, and I mean, it's not a whole lot. It's just like, you know, again, take an injection, and, you know, it's not so much balancing, well, what are you eating to, to what are you uh, injecting? I, I took the long, I was taking long-acting insulin only at first, if I recall correctly. So, and then there was no blood testing. I had to, uh, like I said, I kind of stone age. I had to um, pee into a cup and then I had an eyedropper and I had to take whatever it was, so a test tube. So I put a certain amount of water in, a certain amount, a few, however many drops of urine. And then I had this fizzy tablet. You dropped it in and it chemically reacted. It got really, really hot. Orange was really, really bad because that meant you had a whole lot of sugar in your urine, and blue was great. And then there was in between. Yeah, a year or two after that, I, I graduated to test strips. It was just a strip of paper, right? You could, you, you, you know, you just carry it in your pocket, right? Whenever you go pee, you pull off a strip and you stand there and pee on the strip. And it was the same thing, you know, depending on the color. So, and as far as my diet, I changed it a little bit, but I was a teenager and I didn't take it real seriously. I just knew I needed to take shots and all that. And I still ate what I wanted and all that. And, you know, the resilience of youth. <laughs> so so it's mind blowing for me to to hear even the like this rigmarole around how you need to check your blood sugar. Because when you compare it to what we do now, essentially, you just pick up your phone. And if you have a CGM, you can just look at your phone and that's your blood sugar in front of you. So I have to look at my phone. I can look at my, I can look at my watch. You can look at your watch, turn your wrist and you can look at your blood sugar. Yeah, so It's obviously yeah. changed a lot. So initially when the only way that you could check your blood sugar, Jaffer was, as you explained, putting the fizzy tablet in, checking if it's orange, checking if it's blue, how frequently were you checking your blood sugar? When I got up in the morning before I went to bed and then probably once in between. Yeah. And then I just kind of went by, how do I feel? Which turned out not to be so good because I did, I, I developed a, a hypoglycemia where, you know, unawareness, hypoglycemia, unawareness. So. I'm even, I'm thinking about the insulin that you said, and you were, you were just taking basically just long lasting insulin. So how many times 20. were you taking insulin a day? Was it once? Was it twice? Was it three times? It started out once. 
And then I started mixing the, the short acting and the long acting. And then um, I eventually graduated to, uh, I mean, uh, along the years, just to taking short acting because I just felt that's what worked for best for me. I didn't have, if I had a routine, I would have kept on this long acting, but I just, you know, I just, whenever I'm going to eat. So I basically was running around with, you know, without the basil to handle the, I was just, you know, handle the metabolism. I was just injecting to what I was eating. You know, I'd kind of look at it and figure, well, you know, okay, that looks like five units or that looks like 15 units. Or And what kind of results were you seeing with that? Because obviously myself and even you now, given the advancements in the technology that we use, there's so much precision involved with trying to keep your blood sugar in range, you know, in terms of carb counting and timing of insulins and the exercise that you're doing or the type of food or even the order of food that you eat. Mm -hmm. So when you were kind of just going by eye with this essentially one type of insulin for a long period of time, what sort of results were you seeing in your blood sugar? If you were testing your blood sugar like three times a day, what would you generally expect your numbers to be at? Okay. Well, again, I'm thinking back, my, my, my A1Cs were, and that was basically the only measure I had, right? And so was, we're probably up in the eights, probably sometime in the nines. You know, I, I don't have a, a really good recollection of that. I would just go see the doctor and he said, you know, oh, okay, you're doing all right, or you need to do better. There wasn't, I mean, I wasn't seeing endocrinologists either. Like I say, I started out with, um, my Air Force pediatrician, and he was actually pretty good. I mean, he wasn't a specialist or anything, you know, but he just said, you know, careful what you eat, but it's not so much restrictive. He says, you just should eat like everybody else should eat. Okay, so that's kind of what I tried to do, but <laughs> not really successful, you know. I mean, I've had, a, I always had a sweet tooth, so I, I restricted it a little bit, or I just decided, okay, I'm going to take more insulin. You know, so I, I was sloppy about it, to be honest. I mean, for quite a few years until I did start seeing better results with my glucose meter. So you said that you kind of became hypo unaware or you couldn't feel your hypos as as accurately as you would have in the past. What were you using, Jaffer, to treat your low blood sugars back then? Because again, I'm relating it to even my own life right now, and I have a glu- I can feel my packet of glucose tablets in my pocket while I'm right. Speaking. Yeah, I didn't carry stuff around with me. I'd eat candy bars, you know, Snickers, and I, you know, I, I mean, it. You know, for the first twenty years, I, I did not do a good job of all this. So I would have candy bars, and you know, I would. And I wasn't carrying things with me. So, I mean, unless I was out in the wilderness someplace, I made sure I had something close by. But other than that, I just, you know, if I was home, I ate something, just juice or candy bar. I mean, if I was traveling, I'd just stop and buy a candy bar or something like that and eat it. And with the fact that you didn't have a glucose or a CGM to send an alarm off with your blood sugar going low, and if you felt as if your sensitivity was kind of decreasing, did you ever have any severe hypo periods or severe hypo incidents? I remember when I was in college, it started. So this would have, I mean, this would have been like in uh, 78, 79. Yeah. And for two or three years, I did. Yes. I uh, I had one instance where I went to class to take, it wasn't a test, it was a major quiz. And I answered every single question wrong. 
I mean, luckily I had an understanding professor, so he let me double count the next one and I got my usual good grade on it. I had one instance where I basically, I want to say, became aware and somehow, because I was at home, right? And this was the scariest. I was out driving and I didn't know where it was. You know, I, I had, I guess, got up and picked up the keys and just gone out. One time we were building an addition to the house and we had, my dad and I were doing some of the stuff that, you know, to save money. And he looked outside and I can say this was Northern Michigan. And I, this was after breakfast and I didn't account for the fact that I was going to be physically exerting myself. He looked out the house and he said, he saw me standing on my, standing out, standing on my head outside in the snow. <laughs> just being goofy. I don't know if you've ever gotten that bad, but, and then after I got married, my wife had to experience this and scared the heck out of her. <laughs> I just say. went crazy, you know, you know, yelling and screaming about bad things. And this went on for, I guess, I think about 77, 78 through 82, 83. I had about four or five episodes. And you had said, Jaffer, that you're one of the kind of defining moments for you with your life with diabetes up to this point was in 82 when you basically first gained access to finger prick meters. Yes. So presumably as a result of that, you were a lot more in tune around how your blood sugars were behaving each day. So what sort of impact or how did your life with diabetes change when you could basically check your blood sugar more frequently? Well, it improved. I didn't really start serious enough until I got on the insulin pump in 91. But in in so for 82, I mean, I, I did. I have this good technology. So now I know what my blood sugar actually is. And I was probably testing four times a day you know, before I went to bed, when I get up. And then, and then, well, even more than that, whenever I ate, I would always test before I ate. When I, and that's when I, by then I was just taking the short acting. So I would test like for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So maybe five times a day I was testing. So yeah, I was able to improve it. And I, after that, I don't remember having a blood sugar. And well, I, I mean, I got low, but never so low that I became unaware. And so, but it did improve. So with each, I guess you'd say advanced technology, I was, I was able to be more serious and I took it more serious. There's a difference between being able to control yourself and being willing to control yourself. And, you know, so in my high school years, I, you know, and then through college, I wasn't too serious about it with the technology, you know, and then I, I could look at the numbers and it's just, I don't know, it triggered something in me. I was, so I started taking it more serious. And when the pump came, I started taking it even more serious. That's an interesting point that you said about there's a difference between being willing to look after yourself or take care of yourself or being able to take care of yourself. And it's something that we had spoken about recently on one of the other episodes about how a lot of diabetes management today, because we've we've so much tech and we've so much information around how to manage things, a lot of it comes down to our own decision making. Am I making a decision to exercise or am I making a decision to take my insulin at X time or am I making a decision to eat good quality food? Essentially, yeah. these are things that we can decide to do for the vast majority of people. But again, it kind of, it can be awkward during, as you say yourself, those kind of teen years where 
you may have a more rebellious streak where you don't really see the value at that time in looking after your health as much as we do now. With age comes wisdom, and I think in my case, and actually, I mean, sometimes that's not true, but with my diabetes, yes, as I, as the years have gone by, you know, <laughs> I have become more wise and more willing. You know, I mean, I do have health complications. You know, I, like I said, you know, I mean, I also have the thyroid problem. You know, I, a lot of diabetics have more than one autoimmune condition. So mine is thyroid. So I have become more focused. Sometimes too focused, over-focused. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I don't need to be looking at my watch every three minutes. And so, you know, so I've been able to wean myself from that. You know, I was doing that for a while, you know. but So I look at it, you know, maybe like once every hour or so. That was going to be one of my next questions for you, Jaffer, was given the advancements in the tech that we use and the convenience of as we say, being able to twist your wrist and check your blood sugar if, if you have it on your watch. Did that affect you mentally in terms of your blood sugar? Because I've had various conversations with people and even from my own experience personally, <laughs> it's easy to sometimes become consumed by your blood sugar. And you're almost so aware of it that any spike or any drop can almost trigger you in a negative way. So... Do you feel that it has impacted you at all that way? Kind of. You know, I try to, I mean, I, I don't know how to say this. I mean, I'm more aware of what's going on, but I always try to look at it in a dispassionate way, right? I mean, not get emotional about it. And I know you've talked about this a lot and all that. You know, that sometimes <laughs> I do, I find myself getting annoyed with myself for being annoyed, <laughs> You know, it's just, you know, so, you know, I, I you know, it, it is what it is. Um, so when things aren't working, I, you know, I try to take a step back and look at, okay, well, why? And then try to take corrective actions there. And like, for instance, I just got on a new insulin pump. I switched from an Omnipod to Tandem. So there's an adjustment period, you know, so, why, you know, why are my sugars high at this time? Why is it low at this time? Right now I'm, I'm fighting I'm getting up every night to eat some candy, you know, but I'm finally getting to the point where not every night. So I'm still working on it. But again, I just have to, you know, sort of, <laughs> just, you know, I just got to say, okay, well, I did this, I did this. And okay. So I'm going to make an adjustment in my, what I'm doing, what I'm eating or what I'm not eating or, did you find, did you feel as if, and I'm laughing just based off what you were saying about you sometimes get annoyed at yourself for being annoyed. And did you feel as if, Jaffer, you were being annoyed less frequently when you couldn't check your blood sugar as frequently? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you're, yeah. Ignorance is bliss kind of kind of feel yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. There's a... Uh... Back in the day, I don't know if you had that over uh, in Ireland, but this, it was Mad Magazine, Alfred E. M Newman. And they, uh, what, what, me worry? <laughs> so I was always had took a, like an Alfred E. Newman type of approach. Okay. My wife gets upset with me. She, I mean, not just with diabetes, with life in general. She's, how come you're not worried about this? You know, I don't know. First of all, I tell her well, she worries enough for both of us, but then the second <laughs> kind of had that, you know, what, me worry? You know, so. <laughs> Is there anything, Jaffer, that you look back on and think, I wish I was told that 
the first day that I was diagnosed in relation to how to manage your diabetes or even approach towards food or exercise or, or insulin? Is there anything that you feel now is so obvious that everybody should know on the day that they're diagnosed? Well, again, you know, we're going back 52 years when things were a lot different. So I think that it would have been good if they had put me in touch with somebody who was an endocrinologist, basically. I didn't really start seeing an endocrinologist until ooh, 15 years after I was diagnosed. Right? I mean, so it's basically, so I, I guess I wish there was, from the medical community perspective, there had been more of an awareness of treating diabetes. I think that, um, you know, most diabetics are type 2, and there's a you, you treat it differently, but I think type 1 was treated the same as type 2. You know, just watch what you eat. But on top of take your shots, right? So, hmm. I mean, I think, like I say, my Air Force pediatrician, given what his job was, I, I think he did a pretty good job. I ha I got some pretty bad advice from other doctors or, you know, indifference or whatever. But um, What sort of good advice did he give you? Well, I think, like I, I said before, the best thing was, is, you know, he said, you know, because there's so much of, oh, you're diabetic, you can't eat this, you can't eat that, and all that. And he just basically said, eat like everybody else should eat, but doesn't, right? So he didn't say, don't eat the sweets. He said, you know, you just got to be careful about it, moderate it. And I thought that was good. I mean, I've gotten a lot more serious in my diet over the last couple of years because um, I <laughs> – I mean, I've always, like I said, I had the sweet tooth and my, my, my answer to eating the sweets was to, I used to call it shooting up, right? You know, like a heroin addict, right? I know, <laughs> excuse me, I got to go, sh I got to go shoot up, right? <laughs> yeah, so I say, ooh, sugar, so go shoot up, more insulin. <laughs> so do you feel as if your sweet tooth was tested as you got older because you were seeing the impact of taking your shots and, and shooting up for it more frequently than you should have looking back? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the health issues I have, I don't know if I would have had them anyway, but like, probably, you know, I mean, like I've got a lot of arthritis and things like that. So I don't know if I had to take better care of myself or it could have been worse. So also true um, hindsight's yeah. a beautiful thing looking back <laughs> yeah yeah jaffer one of the one of the main reasons that we wanted to get you on the podcast and have this conversation was one of the recent emails that you sent in and graham read it out on one of the recent episodes that we did and yeah, yeah, yeah. He tripped on pretty much every single word <laughs> that he read because <laughs> graham just can't seem to read emails correctly but what stood out to me was the fact that you said in the email, like everyone else, you've had your share of ups and downs, <laughs> but you chose to focus on the ups while learning from the downs. And that stood out to me because obviously living with type 1 diabetes, you see almost every day the physical and mental ups and downs that the condition can bring. So have you always been somebody that has that ability to focus on the ups more than the downs? Ah uh, yes, yes, I have been. I'm, yeah, I'm a the, the I'm the glass half full person, right? Not half empty. I do focus on the ups. It's, it's, it, I, it's just, I guess, part of my nature. Even like my, you know, on my social media, I'm I'm the happy diabetic, right? Because um, <laughs> just I chose that because I, 
I, I choose to be positive and I've seen so many comments, you know, diabetes sucks and no, no, I can't deal with this and all that. So I'm just trying to guess, get a message out there that yeah, you can deal with it. You know, I mean, I, I, it's, it's just your frame of mind. That was part one of this episode. If you are listening to this on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day, part two is the next episode on our list. 